Well, you're in charge, so whenever you want to get us started today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this you're in charge. Like... This is your show, Maddie, so. jeez. Oh, well, I was going to try and get your your gym run down and kind of go into it that way, but we got off track, you know. we got to catch up. It's been a week, David. It's, it's been a week. It's been a week. <laughs> I mean, you know, surprisingly, a lot's happened this week. Yeah, and, uh, definitely okay. so. Um. Usually, middle of the summer, we aren't expecting that. So, we've got some news to cover. Yes, yes, we do. We do have news to cover. <laughs> For all of you who are trying to figure out what the heck is going on and why this is such an awkward conversation, um, I left Maddie in charge after the NBA draft uh, segment and, like, the reaction to. I was like, I'm going to let Maddie produce these shows for a little while because I produce throughout the course of the season. So I was like, here you go, Maddie. You can do whatever you want during these dead days of basketball season. So, or a basketball, a basketball. So that's, that's what's going on here. And this is Maddie's course of leading the conversation today. But yeah, we did have some news. Obviously, it's not going well. No, you're fine. You're doing fine. It, you know what? This is still better than the first episode we did in season one. So nothing- I feel like that was just an hour of rambling. It, it kind of was. It, it kind of was an hour rambling. Now we get a structure to the show, and it, it actually kind of works together. So you know, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but so um, I guess we'll lead off here. Um, hey guys, it's Maddie, and this is the Hoops Southbound Podcast. And my name is David. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's jump right into it. Um, kind of talking about the SEC. We talked about COVID spreading for a few years, and we'll talk about SEC spreading. Um, from you know draft night, now we're looking at one of the top prospects over at Tennessee playing in the U19 Team USA. Um, just kind of wanted to talk about the impact that it's going to have, you know, going forward in you know recruiting when it comes to you know nationwide or even international. We have a lot. We're seeing a lot more international players come over to the states um, for college. So I think you know just going forward. Um, talking about those those draft picks and the the re, not repercussions of that but um the benefits of that especially you know this year seeing Arkansas with three different picks um going pretty high you know at least in terms of Anthony Black and um Nick Smith Jr as well as Brandon Miller being the number 2 pick i think that's great um recruiting wise for all these SEC schools yeah i so yeah, the SEC spreading, um, it, 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 you know, it's, it's a growing conference. There's a difference right now. It feels like between the SEC and the big 10 and well, not between those two conferences, but like in the rest of the power, power six, um, yeah. and you can spread that message across sports, even, um, you know, when you talk about baseball, football, um, across, across a very broad spectrum and you're right, the NBA impact with, um, the talent that's being brought in, like we mentioned last week on the show in our NBA draft reaction, we talked about, um, we talked about like the fact that the SEC had the number one college player being taken in the draft. The SEC had the most, um, players taken in the top 10, um, out of either league or any, any league when it came to college or et cetera, it's, you know, and that was compared to, you know, um, overtime elite and, you know, that, which they tied with, with the Thompson twins. And then, you know, you're talking about the NBA G league and the foreign teams, you know, with Victor Wimbanyama, the SEC was still right there in the top 10 as, as a leader, you know, tied with overtime elite. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's doing well in basketball. And then, you know, you talk about, probably some of the largest depth in coaches 
when you uh, yeah. look into this league, you know, you got Chris Beard you, who's in there. Like, think of what you want with Chris Beard. Chris Beard's a good basketball coach. Um, and then you got Eric Musselman, Nate Oates, uh, John Calperi, um, an extremely deep um, roster of coaches. Dennis Gates is showing that he's a very good coach, um, you know, coming from the mid-major level into the SEC. Yeah, a lot of success and that. And then, like I said, with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league, you're talking about more money, um, very high profile programs that are coming in and enough to force brand new TV contracts for ESPN to create things like the SEC and ACC challenge now in place of the ACC Big 12 or Big 10 challenge. So it's it's a whole new world and the SEC has emerged itself as the most dominant conference in college college athletics, period. So it, it's... It's been a slow, it hasn't been a slow growth, but for years we've seen the trend go this way and it continues now in a sport that traditionally the SEC hasn't been the dominant conference in. Yeah, I think, you know, um, like you said, it's growing everywhere. You look at baseball, we've had LSU and Florida as the top two teams in the College World Series, you know, major growth there, just recognition of the schools um, growing everywhere. You know, even if you aren't a baseball player, you're going to look at that and say, well, those schools are successful here. Why aren't they going to be successful, you know, in other sports as well? In baseball, isn't it the last five out of six national champions have been an SEC team? Yep, I believe so. And you want to know who that one who didn't make it six out of six was? We don't have to talk about that. I saw your tweet today and it made me sad all over again. It, it's it's painful every time we bring it up. But yeah, you know, that there was a chance <laughs> it goes six out of six and one drop fly ball took care of that problem, didn't it? Uh, uh, pain. Pain. My heart forever. Uh, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to mention, you know, kind of going forward with that. We have Toby Awaka from uh, the Tennessee Volunteers playing on Team USA, he's been getting some great minutes. And, you know, like I said, just brings it to more of an international level, international aspect. I know Florida has two talents, I believe one from Australia. I don't remember where the other one's at from the top of my head, off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, like we've, we've talked about before on the show, how much European basketball is growing, how much, you know, overseas is kind of taken off. So I think that's going to be a huge help um, when they see players that, you know, are in those Team USA leagues and they look at, you know, more than just, oh, yeah, like our team's going to go play against Team USA. Instead, it's going to be like, oh, well, I could go play college ball where they're going to play. Yeah. And this is nothing new, right? Like you've seen... You see in the course over the years, uh, think about Moses Kingsley, who played for Arkansas. Uh, he was from Africa. I forgot what country he was from exactly, but I know he grew up there. Um, you also talk about, you know, you got uh, guys like Bay Fall, who's coming to Arkansas this year, who's uh, from Senegal. Um, you know, he played for Team World at the Nike Soup, Nike Hoop Summit uh, this uh this past spring um, in Portland. And he had a pretty good showing there. And then you also talk about the team USA aspect. You had Nick Smith jr. Playing for team USA yep. last year. You had Anthony black, you had several others. Those are the ones that are just coming out of my mind. Cause I'm an Arkansas fan. Um, yep. But you know, I, I know that list goes on and on. And then, you know, um, you know, Tennessee's got a player right now playing on the U19 team and showing out for team USA, um, you know, and then like, don't only just limit it there. We've got NBA talent who's going to go play in the World Cup this year for the FIBA. Um, you know, like Bobby Portis is going to be on the FIBA team this year. So it's um, it, it's exciting. It's your exciting times. Um, so it's it, it's 
not only is the SEC being showcased like on a national level for its basketball, it, it's got an international flavor too. You're exactly right. Worldwide, we're seeing the SEC's um, profile beginning to grow. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, talking about kind of that nationwide growth, going to have a lot more eyes on the SEC with this ACC-SEC challenge. I'm extremely excited to talk about the SEC-ACC challenge. Um, again, this is your show, so you direct on how you where you want to start that conversation. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun, right? Like the yeah. ACC-SEC challenge. Um, for people who didn't really um, know the background for why this has become a thing, um, TV contracts are the biggest reason why with the big 10 getting their uh, TV contract with CBS and the SEC doing their contract with ESPN, the ACC was without a partner. Um, so we, it was the end of the big 12 SEC uh, championship situation or challenge situation. And now it's the ACC SEC challenge because both of them have ESPN contracts. So ESPN put those two together and thus we have this, lovely event that we're going to have. And that's the very watered down version of how this occurred. Um, there's more nuance to it than that. I, I will say, but that's, that's the over mo- most important broad spectrum thing that we need to know as fans is that TV contracts kind of mandated that this was going to be a thing, but I, I think they got a pretty exciting lineup uh, put oh, together. For sure. um, you know, kind of going into that. Once I saw the lineup, I will personally say that this for me is much more exciting than the Big Ten SEC challenge ever was because, you know, you look at historic basketball programs and I feel like we're seeing more historic matchups than we were able to see in the Big Ten challenge. Yeah, you know, with the Big 12 uh, SEC challenge, you know, we never see. It happens. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. It's big tuh, and then you say whatever number comes into your brain first. It happens. We 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 all everybody knew what you were talking about. We all knew that you were talking about the Big Twelve. Um, but yeah, we never saw on a consistent basis. I don't believe Arkansas and Texas ever played in the in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, which is a crime against humanity. Um, and then like there's also you know. Texas A&M and Texas, I don't think ever got together. Oklahoma never played Arkansas, like in the challenge, like, you know, Arkansas made that deal in Tulsa where they were playing for the Crimson and Cardinal challenge, but never in the big 12 SEC challenge. I don't believe, you know, there's, there were so many matchups that desperately needed to happen and it just never materialized into that way. This is an exciting layout that I think they've put together with some, I think, games that are going to be very good. Um, some games that are going to grab national attention instantly. Uh, and then games that I think are going to be sneaky good that you're just not going to be aware on, you know, because, oh, that's going to be a blowout because you're thinking in last year's context where it actually could be a very good game um, coming into uh, coming into the challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, kind of on that same note, I wanted to kind of go over the lineup and look at, so there was a, an article that I found on crap. The name escapes me right now. Um, big brackets or bracket busters or something. Bracket bus- yeah. Buster brackets, yeah. yeah. Buster brackets. Yeah. And they did similar to our way too early power rankings. The same thing for the ACC. Okay. So some of the um, way too early power rankings, I kind of want to go over. Um, that were extremely similar to where we had some of the teams on our side. Um, so I think it's going to be a solid matchup 
Um, of course, we have Duke against Arkansas. They had Duke as number one in their way too early power rankings as we had Arkansas in ours. Number one, yeah. So that one right there is a key matchup I'm looking forward to. Um, Clemson and Alabama, they had Clemson at number three. I believe we had Alabama at number four, right? Four or five, right. Yeah, it was somewhere right there. Yeah. Yeah, and then even some of the the teams lower down, we have uh, Missouri at Pitt. They had Pitt at number eight. We have Missouri, I think, seven or eight. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah. Yep. Um, at Georgia and Florida State, they had Florida State at nine. Georgia, we have like right at about 10, 11. Yeah. Um, Tennessee and North Carolina, they had North Carolina at four. We had Tennessee at two. Okay. So, you know, for me, I'm more so looking at the fact that, like we said, with the Big 12 challenge, you know, you saw some matchups, but a lot of times they were super unbalanced. Yeah. Um, I think here, yeah. you know, kind of with the ACC SEC challenge, we're looking at more balanced games that are going to be more entertaining for fans because you aren't going to see blowouts all over the place. I, I think what's giving benefit to this and like why we're able to get these kind of matchups that kind of make sense just right off the bat, the big 12, his name is deceptive. It used to be 12. It's going back to 12. Eventually it's like at 14 now, now that we've started the new academic year and yep. those new teams have joined the big 12, but our, the sec was the bigger conference, right? And so you knew all the big 12 teams were going to play all 10 of them. Whereas the SEC's 14, four were going to sit out. Um, and so you had just guesses really on where teams were going to end up based on rankings from the previous season, blah, 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 whatever uh, function. And then you end up with a matchup like, Oh, Ole Miss and Oklahoma state last year, um, which Ole Miss was never going to smell beating Oklahoma state in Stillwater last year. It just was not going to happen um, for this situation. The ACC is the larger conference with 15 teams, the SEC with 14 teams. They're a little bit more comparable in size. And yeah. the only team that got left out of the ACC was the team that probably deserved to be left out. And that was Louisville, you know, because they were atrocious last season. So we'll, we'll give, give, give Kenny a chance to fix things there in Louisville, I guess, um, before you throw him to represent the ACC. In this. Very true. So what about you, David? What's your, what are you most looking forward to out of this challenge? Any games you've got your eye on um, some players you're, you're looking forward to watching. Okay, so I mean, it's obvious which one I'm looking the most forward to. Um, it, it's it's the biggest game that we've probably seen in Fayetteville in a non-conference capacity, at least, um, and probably since this game. Um, yeah. Is the the, the U Arkansas Duke matchup is probably the biggest game we've seen in Arkansas since uh, Arkansas faced UNLV in Arkansas in 1991, um, which would also be, if you know your Arkansas history, is the Go Get You Some Men games, um, or a game that um, one of the players, I forget the name, told Nolan Richardson that he better go get some men if they wanted to play with UNLV, um, because UNLV beat the tar out of Arkansas in that basketball game. Um, and then, of course, as the story went, Nolan Richardson went out and got himself some men and won a national championship three years later. Um, so, you know, that's that's the story. I've got some of those guys over my shoulder here on this magazine in the backdrop there. Um, but, you know, this is probably the highest we've seen that context. And the Duke game is massive because 
Arkansas is one of those teams that we've talked about several times. They're not a blue blood, but they're in that tier that's below there of these teams that, you know, if they win two more national championships could be considered a blue blood or, you know, that that Syracuse level, that Georgetown level, that below blue blood, but better than the rest category is how Arkansas has kind of always seen itself. And then you get this traditional blue blood in Duke coming to Fayetteville. And not only is Duke a traditional blue blood, this is a team that is going to be very good next year. Um, a lot of talk about Duke this offseason. I'm, I'm extremely excited for this. Um, this is the second year without Cal. And this is the f- one of the things that Duke gets criticized a lot for is that they don't have good road matches, uh, road matchups during their non-conference. And here they are going into what is arguably the most intense environment in the SEC on the road. So I'm very excited about this matchup. I think Bud Walton's going to blow the top off uh, during that game. It, it's What are you talking about, David? Somebody told us that there aren't any students. That you're oh, like, yeah. Oh, oh, I saw that tweet. I, I just died laughing. It's like, yeah, tell me you've never been to Bud Walton without telling me you've never been to Bud Walton. It's it's as crazy as Cameron Indoor, if we get any Duke fans listening, to, listening today, only about times two because it's bigger and, like, everybody, you know – I mean, I'm from Arkansas. I could make this make this joke, but when you got some crazy hillbillies in the stands making some noise, I'm just saying it's going to get loud in that building. Um, okay. You know, yeah, we, we know it as Arkansans. Um, you know, we it, it's an intense environment. It, it's a great basketball venue, and I think it's going to be great uh, having Duke in there. And if any comparison program has ever stepped foot into Bud Walton, that would be Kentucky. And yeah. How many times have we pointed to great games between Arkansas and Kentucky taking place in Bud Walton and some signature moments, even in losses? Like, you know, you're talking about the Caltech moment being one of the loudest moments in Bud Walton history in Muss's first year at Arkansas. That was an insane environment. Um, I would even... Yeah, oh yeah. The qual the, the rebound put back buzzer beater dunk by Qualls was an amazing game. Um, you know, I think every I, there must that stadium must have been open to capacity of forty thousand people because everybody says they were at that game. I was at that game as a student, but you know, um, but you know, it was an intense environment in that one as well. Um yeah, Bud Walton at its best is what I think it's gonna be. And what I was gonna say on the Kentucky point is the last time Kentucky came in, and I'm not talking about last this is two seasons ago, actually. Um, but you know, everybody talked about the Auburn game where Auburn was number one. It was the first time a number one visiting team had come to Bud Walton. Duke may be number one like Auburn did, but I would say the Kentucky atmosphere, that Kentucky-Arkansas atmosphere was more intense than that Auburn game. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I, I think you went to both as well. And I remember physically feeling the stadium in my chest, um, like how loud it was in there. Like it was it was deafening. Um, yeah. it, it is, it is always a tough environment. Uh, and especially because when Kentucky comes to Fayetteville, it's, it's an, intu- it, it's a, it's a tough environment. So I expect the same, uh, facing a team like Duke, Duke may be the number one team in the country coming in. Uh, we'll see what the AP polls say closer to time and how everything kind of goes throughout the season, but I expect them to be a top seven team, um, based on what I've been, you know, reading about this off season. So this could be one of the most high profile matches we've seen in Bud Walton in a long time. And it, it could be, it, it could be one of the most intense games we've seen. And it's, I I'm stoked about this one. I, I, I will sell my firstborn for tickets to this game. Like I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, Joey, you can't give Joey away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving my dog away. No, I'm a, a human baby. When, when we pop one out, I'll, I'll... <laughs> I, was about to say, I, I heard that that's going to take some time. So, uh, <laughs> 
I figured we'd just go with Joey on that one. Yeah, just go with Joey on that one. I don't know. Joey's close, but I might like I might like him a little bit more than Duke uh, Arkansas tickets. So you know, maybe River. <laughs> no, I wouldn't give my dog away. My dogs are not for sale for Duke Arkansas tickets. No. Now a lot of other things. <laughs> we we can make a deal. We can find something. Something. I'm, there will be something. There we go. Maybe maybe um, I need to do a shout out on the podcast if someone wants to throw me some tickets my way, you know. <laughs> you know, um, also looking at the women's side, super excited about that Notre Dame at Tennessee game. I think that one is going to blow the roof off of uh, on Pat Summit Court. Yeah, TBA will be rocking for that game. Uh, Tennessee's Tennessee women's basketball is always great. Notre Dame's been decent over the last couple of years. I think that's going to be a good one. Um, you know, Tennessee and Notre Dame, that'll be a lot of fun, especially because it's going to be on that Wednesday night matchup uh, mm-hmm. on the early block before we get into Tennessee North Car- at North Carolina and Duke at Arkansas for the men's side. So those are going to be on the same day. So that'll be like a really good warm-up matchup, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, to sit and watch a really good women's basketball game right before getting into like what's going to be the flame and yawn of primetime television between between the uh between those two between those four programs really yep and then you know all always we got to talk about south carolina at north carolina that game you you know you're looking at proximity you're looking at you know kind of state versus state so i feel like there's always that you know which carolina is better situation so you know they're gonna bring the big guns for that one yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, like I said, one of the charms about college sports is the regionality about it, which is why I'm not a big proponent of like a lot of these conference changes um, that are happening, like say in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be exciting watching that because we've seen it in football, we've seen it in other sports. When North Carolina and South Carolina get together, it's a really good one. It's like it's a lot like Texas and Arkansas where it's like, are you rivals? Really? Yeah, we're rivals. We just don't play each other every year. Um, it, that's, that's kind of what this attitude is between the Carolinas. I feel like, um, yeah. so that's going to be a lot of fun for that one. I, I expect a really good one in that, in that game. I, I expect South Carolina though, to uh, do, do Don Staley things and uh, you know, beat some rear end, if you will, you know, <laughs> Yep, and I think we're looking at the same situation with um, LSU and Kim Mulkey against, um, I just lost it, Virginia Tech. Yeah, that one will be fun. Um, That'll definitely be a fun one on Mm -hmm. that. I think the one that I'm very interested in on the men's side going back over there is um, the Tennessee and North Carolina game. Another game with some regionality in it and probably two of the programs that have – really shown themselves in the last couple of years. And on one hand, you have Tennessee, who's really been a riser in the SEC over in the Rick Barnes era. Uh, and then you got North Carolina, who's in this new chapter uh, for themselves. Of course, last year, you know, North Carolina was the number one team in the country coming in and then didn't make the tournament. Um, yeah. You know, that was one of the biggest headlines in college basketball last season. And now they're going to be play, facing Tennessee, who is a regional rival and a recruiting rival um, right now. So I think it's, it's there's a lot of pressure on North North Carolina to get a good things going on in this season. And I, I don't think we could ask for a better matchup uh, between two teams who are neighbors to each other. So I, I'm really looking really forward to that. Yeah. I think that'll be a good one, especially being at North Carolina. Um, Going to have a lot of homers in the stands, but that Tennessee team, we saw them last year pretty rough. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, it, it was not the year that uh, Davis wanted there in North Carolina and kind of shocked everyone just how rough they were. But I, I just last year, I think North Carolina got a lot of the hype about them being the runner up in the uh, national championship against Kansas. And, you know, we know how early AP polls are. And when it comes to basketball, there's a lot of bias in them. Um, it's all hype and it's all bias, uh, on the first poll that comes out in the season. So North Carolina, fits both those categories last year. So, uh, hence why they were number one and we're not deserving of that. (laughs) Yep. Uh, coming into, um, talking about hype, the NBA summer league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on some of the matchups we've seen and, um, some of these sec players we're getting to see match up against each other. So I'm really excited to watch the Charlotte Hornets this uh, this summer league. Obviously, not only Nick Smith Jr. from my Razorback fandom, but also Brandon Miller, uh, seeing how NBA ready he is right now uh, in these summer league situations. A lot of a lot of good games coming on there. I think they're going to start tonight. Um, yep. You know, if, if you're watching this on YouTube for the Tuesday morning crowd, it was last night. So go watch the highlights on ESPN Plus. Um, but. That's going to be a great matchup. Um, I I think whatever games that Charlotte's going to be in, those are going to be incredibly entertaining. The thing I'm most excited about with the Summer League is that this is a real good chance to see how so many of these SEC players, if they're ready to be on at the NBA le- level and uh, seeing where they're going to be at, um, we, you know how far along they have to develop. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the Summer League goes. Uh, I got to pull the schedule up in front of me to take a look at it, but it, it's... Um, you know, when I was looking at the rosters, there's a lot of entertaining aspects in this. I believe the Hornets are even going to play. It's either the Hornets or the Thunder are going yep. to be playing the Sixers. So it's going to be a chance to see Ricky Council um, for the Sixers and see, you know, how much everybody missed on a draft pick on Ricky Council. And, um, you know, the beginning of Ricky Council's uh, revenge tour, if you will, uh, and his rookie, rookie season and playing with a chip on his shoulder of not being drafted. So it'll it, there's a lot of entertaining aspects like if you run down these rosters almost every team it feels like has an sec player on them so you know if you're a fan go look at those rosters for the summer league and then go check out when they're playing because like I, i'm telling you we've got a lot of sec talent in this nba summer league and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah i'm definitely excited to watch the orlando magic play not only because of uh anthony black but we're going to see him pair up with an older Arkansas player in Adis Tony, who, you know, was a monster from behind the three point line, um, elevated Arkansas a ton while he was there and was always in, in my opinion, seen as more of a role player. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, this powerhouse from Arkansas and Anthony black with Adis Tony, um, together playing the summer. Summer basketball. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where are, I'm going to have to look that up real quick because I think the Magic are playing in a different tournament. They're not in the Las Vegas games. Um, the Las Vegas games are Miami, the Lakers, Memphis, Philly, uh, San Antonio, Charlotte, OKC, Utah, Golden State, and Sacramento. Um, so the Kings. So it, it it's one of the I, – I hate the fact – and then like Friday it ramps up and it goes completely different. Like, you know, you've got Milwaukee – you got the rest, everybody else coming in. And yeah, that's what it is. It's like, there's several teams coming in on the latter portion of it. Um, just go look up the team. That's, that's all like I was trying to get at. Go look at the team. Cause there's multiple tournaments going on this year across the country um, with that, with that setup, you got the California one and then you've also got the uh, Vegas one. And then there's another one. I 
can't remember. Yeah, I think they're, lines. you know, definitely formatting it more as the like, kind of like NCAA tournament at the end of the year. Um, well, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll look into these schedules and dive into it. All right, so I'm a baseball guy, and my goal is to actually see a game in every Major League Baseball stadium. Now, I'm more than a third of the way there, and I never buy from the team's websites. SeatGeek is my first stop whenever I'm heading to a new city for a ball game. Now, obviously, they've got some other sports, as well as concert tickets, Broadway, comedy, I mean, you name it. And now, for BSN listeners, they're actually offering you 20 bucks off your first ticket purchase. So just use the code BSN, that stands for Variety Sports Network. So that's BSN to save 20 bucks. So put that to use for some food or for some drinks at whatever event you are wanting to attend. Again, that code is BSN to save 20 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase. As always, please go out, support our sponsors. I always like that stuff, you know. Cables really, really good. Maddie should be doing this, right? Because she's the producer today. She, she, she should be, should be, she should be the one saying go out and support our sponsors. But you know, she's not going to. No, I'm not. I'm a terrible salesperson, <laughs> and I, my job is in sales. So we'll see how that goes as it progresses. <laughs> All right, Maddie, carry on uh, with today's with your ideas for today. <laughs> All right, so just going over this NBA G League schedule, some games that you definitely want to check out as an SEC fan. Um, we've got San Antonio at Charlotte um, on ESPN at 7 o'clock Monday night. Technically, if you're watching the show, it's already happened, so go check out the har- the highlights. Um, looking at these Charlotte Hornets with, as we said previously, Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. Um, Going to be a big Kind of telltale sign there, in my opinion, of how the season's going to go. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to watch that one. Like I said, we're going to get to see a little bit of Nick Smith, a little bit of Brandon Miller, uh, and see how they develop. Then also on the San Antonio side, uh, somebody who's going to be working for a contract, uh, Charles Bediaco from Alabama, uh, is going to be on the Spurs. So that'll be that'll be a player to keep your eye on if you're an SEC basketball fan for that matchup. Yep, and then we got Memphis, Philadelphia. Definitely check out those highlights as well with Ricky Council fighting for a contract with 76ers and Gigi Jackson over at Memphis. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Ricky probably should have been a draft pick, as we mentioned. Uh, Gigi Jackson, you know, there's a lot of potential there, um, and he may have been a second-round steal, um, as we'll see. But, you know, it was always a risk, depending on what team you wanted to get, where, what route you wanted to go with on that. So those will be two very interesting uh, players to watch in that game from the SEC. And then another one that you should definitely check out, Oklahoma City at Utah. While there's not much riding on Utah, OKC is the mini SEC team, as me and David have found out. Yeah, it's loaded, right? You got Jalen Williams uh, from Arkansas, who's going to be playing in the uh, for OKC. And then you got Kaysom Wallace from Kentucky. And then Matty, where are some of the other names on there? Well, they're loaded. I can tell you uh, that. Jaden Shackelford played yep. at Alabama. Trey Mann. He played, was it Florida, I think? I, I think so. Hold on. Let me, before we tell people wrong, <laughs> let's double check that. He played for, yes, he played for, played for the Gators. Yep. And then KJ Williams from LSU and a future SEC school, Oklahoma, has got Tanner Groves. Yeah. So that'll be an exciting, like thick team, right? Yeah. Um, when it comes to SEC talent on there. 
Um, you mentioned Oklahoma, um, as we were talking about during the commercial break about Leaky Black playing for the Hornets. Um, a lot of these teams, it feels like getting some local kids to get a little extra attention to see if, oh, will they make it onto their local NBA team? You know, so it's kind of the same thing with OKC um, pulling on a kid from Oklahoma to get a chance to play for the Thunder. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, big, big time SEC program right there, it looks like for OKC. So that'll be a fun one to keep tabs on, um, especially as we move throughout the week. They're going to be playing some other teams with SEC talent. We've got them, you know, against the Grizzlies on Wednesday and against the 76ers on Thursday. So some matchups that'll be exciting to watch for sure oh for sure and you know the most exciting thing about that okc thunder uh team right is that Jalen williams playing for the thunder uh and then also on that thunder team is chet holgram so it's nice that the thunder considered letting uh chet holgram let his dad drive him to work every day there in vegas so i'm excited about that condition of this whole thing um, you know, Jalen Williams is being a good father and taking his kid to work with him. So uh, I, I appreciate that all day long. <laughs> There's okay. a Gonzaga fan out there who just randomly listens to this podcast who is like, dur, dur, dang SEC Arkansas. <laughs> we just need to, we'll, we'll clip this part and make sure that it goes viral on the internet. So I'll oh, oh, sure. I'll, I'll let that happen. Why not? That Arkansas fans lead it up. <laughs> Oh, man. Going forward, you know, um, we're looking at Milwaukee. He's got a couple of SEC players. Brooklyn, Noah Clowney, hopefully will show out and show up that, you know, he should have been a higher draft pick. Yeah. um, He went right where everyone kind of expected him to go uh, in the draft, but I'm excited to see what he can do, um, especially against, you know, these guys of neighboring talent. Uh, levels right now obviously as a first round draft pick I don't think you know no client has got anything to worry about um, but you know he it, it's going to be interesting to see how league ready he is um, and like I said he's got some good players surrounding him uh, with Kennedy Chandler um, he's got you know Matt Lewis Perkins David Duke um, several guys um, with some league experience professional experience surrounding him on this team and then also Jalen Wilson from Kansas is going to be on that team too so it'll be fun to watch um, how Noah Clowney adapts with some professional basketball. Um, you need to see how exactly league ready he is right now, or if he's going to be spending, you know, a little bit of time in the G league, like Moses Moody did. Yeah. Which, you know, I think was fantastic for Moses as we saw him uh, last season play up at golden state. Um, just the development that was there that we didn't see that first first year that he entered the NBA. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. Um, there's several major league baseball players who spent, you know, time down at the minors for sure. And, you know, their game was better for spending more time down there. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little G League time. You know, it lets the roster win some games until you're ready to make your contribution on the team. So, you know, it's it, it's it's there for development. Use it for development. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think the NBA started to push it a little bit more, at least um, when it comes to the G League, you know, taking in more players that, you know, may not make the draft or may not want to go overseas. I think it's a solid option for players to develop there. 100%. 100%. And guys from other leagues, like, you know, we got Trey Scott coming in on the Hornets. Uh, he played in Canada. So, you know, it, it's an opportunity for these guys who have played for other other outlets and leagues to uh, come in and get their chance at the NBA um, who did not get drafted. So it, it's it's always fascinating to look at that. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It'll be a good uh, good way to fill the void until October, November rolls around. We can jump 
back headfirst into basketball. Because- you're, getting your, you're getting your summer basketball fix. That's that's what this is about. That and FIBA. Those are how you're going to in the Global Jam, which Kentucky will be playing in. But uh, you got all that fun stuff to uh, kind of interject some basketball into your veins there for a little while um, and, you know, get the fix until college basketball season rolls back around. Yep. And talking about getting our fix, um, like you keep reiterating that this is my show and it still scares me every time you say it. Um, I'm going to let it keep happening. (laughs) One of the things um, I kind of want to bring up. So we're seeing some changes start to happen in some of the student sections. There's a big article on how they're going to make big changes in the hump at Mississippi State. And instead of having one section, it's going to be more all around. So you have um, you know, more love spread throughout the stadium rather than just in one area, which I think is a good concept. Um, you know, kind of like Arkansas where they have, it's not just in front of the goal. You have a couple sections right there. Um, so, you know, it's not like everywhere else in the stadium is quiet in my opinion. Yeah, it's we've seen really good basketball environments really put their students in, um those those basket thirds or so to speak you know from really the foul line to the baseline in that encompassing circle of the oval i'm doing a weird way of describing this right now but you know visualize if you would um they're they're putting a ton of players on both ends of the stadium and some of these premier programs you think about illinois uh you think about duke uh all those programs do a really good job and I, i appreciate that mississippi state is trying to move their students into a place where they can make a lot of impact during the game. Um, You know, because home court advantage is real in basketball and you need every advantage you get and your students bring a ton of energy uh, to the court. So that's, that's exciting uh, for Mississippi state. And there's other SEC programs. Now I personally have not witnessed exactly how it works in Tennessee, um, but I've had friends who went to Tennessee and they told me how it was laid out when they were at school there. Now it may have changed since then, but like they were sticking their students up in the upper deck and, you know, further away from the action and bringing the season ticket holders closer to the floor, which, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, you appreciate, but like the energy, your most energetic fans are sitting there on top of the stadium, not making any massive contribution to the environment. Uh, so I, I appreciate the movement in this direction to get those students right there front and center because that's the student body. They're there to be supportive. They're crazy fans. You know, we've seen outrageous things happen in student sections. And I appreciate when student sections are absolutely nuts like that. Definitely. You know, I'm a big believer in that's what makes Bud Walton so special is the energy levels and you pack all the students in there and you know, it, it gets crazy. We've seen pictures of players from other teams covering their ears because it's deafening. So, you know, on that note, next week, me and David are going to rank our top five student sections. Um, so you guys can jump on here and fight with us via Twitter or YouTube comments or whatever as to why your student section didn't get the love they deserve. But we will definitely be taking a look at, you know, some of the bigger ones. I'm sure it's not going to be a shock as to who we're, who's going to be in our, our top few. But um yeah, look forward to that next week. I got an underrated one uh, right now for next week when we talk about it. Um, 
Mizzou is actually a pretty decent student section. Um, you may not believe it if you haven't witnessed up there and uh, Mizzou Arena, but like when they sing Mr. Brightside, it, it gets going a little bit. They they do bring a little bit of intensity, especially over this last season. I was digging what Mizzou student section was doing. Um, I, I appreciated that quite a bit, but I, I would say that's one of the more underrated ones in the SEC. So we'll see where we place them uh, in our list. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, by the end of my shows, uh, we're going to have a good all-encompassing view of things that, you know, affect these basketball programs more than just the team on the floor. Maddie, not shying away from controversy on this show. Um, you can you can take all of that brunt you're going to get on Twitter for this later. So mm-hmm. it, it, enjoy that. Um, you know, I will I will gladly point. It's like, it's her show. It is her <laughs> show. Uh, this is what she wants to talk about here in the off season. So, so you guys go check it out. Uh, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, do all the things. Tell us what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Um, Cause obviously the show is for you guys. So make sure and listen to it. And tell us what you want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely would appreciate that. Anything. Um, like I said, you're free to comment on the YouTube channel. A hundred percent. We'll definitely be leading. If you got opinions or anything like that, uh, not only on the show, but like, you know, basketball opinions you want talked about, uh, please leave those in the comment section. We'll try to talk to them, talk about them. We've got plenty of time between now and tip off for the beginning of the season. So we got a lot of time. We've got some stuff planned, but we got a lot of dead days too to fill content with. So a lot of extra time on this show. So um, yeah, hundred percent put that stuff in there. All right. Well, you guys enjoy the show. Have a great week. And um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, enjoy your 4th of July. Look at David being all patriotic. I've got the firework display instead of the uh, normal neon background on the uh, TV uh, going this week. So it'll be, uh, look at all those fireworks, like all the fireworks over my left shoulder. I right, left. Uh, at least you didn't take a picture of it and post it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Um, but you know, you know, just put it's up. always fun. Like scrolling through fifty thousand blurry firework photos on social media. 